So we've been working through a series called It's All About Who. I think it's been a good series. You can tell me if, if you haven't felt it's been good. You can talk to me again later. Hopefully it has been positive for you. Um, and what we've talked about, just to recap, now I would love you all to know a lot of the ins and outs of what we've gone through, but just to give a bit of a recap, what we've said is the most healthy and mature Christians are those who are ministering. We've talked about the lie that says, I cannot do that until the way the world works is you get trained and then you've got to do it. Actually, how Christianity works is it's on the job training. And the lie that will stop you from stepping out and doing what you need to do is, well, I can't do that because I don't know how to. So let me ask you the question. The woman at the well, her life was a total and utter mess, was it not? Jesus said, uh, you've actually had five husbands and the one that you're with now isn't actually your husband. Things weren't great for her. She was at the well at a time when no other women were there. Things were not good. And yet when she left, she went home to her town and said to them, wait I tell you who I met. And they all came out. They begged him to stay. Jesus to stay for two more days. He stayed. And then at the end, they said, this man actually is the saviour of the world. So we've got to let go of that. We've got to park the light that says, I can't minister until... Our wholeness is received in pursuit of Jesus Christ, not in pursuit of our wholeness. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And Matthew 16, 25, Forever, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And the truth is that we can lose our lives for many things, is that not right? We can spend it here and spend it there, and really everything is saying, lose your life for this. The amount of times I've worked for companies, I've mean, said, well, the needs of the business are paramount. Well, the needs of the business. Well, I work 33 hours a day. Well, hey, there aren't 33 hours in B. Why are you doing that? It's only when we lose our lives for Jesus that we're going to find our life. So this week, we're looking at it's all about the lost. And Forrest Gump, tell me, well, you all know, I love Forrest Gump. Marvin doesn't obviously love Forrest Gump. That's all right. We can talk later. Uh, but Forrest Gump, he's with Lieutenant Dan. You know Lieutenant Dan. He's in the war and he has his legs uh, blown off and Forrest rescues him and Lieutenant Dan trains him about that. And he meets him later on and Lieutenant Dan is in a great place. And he says, Gump, you found Jesus. Forrest says, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. Uh, and in and, and work, a friend of mine had this t-shirt and it said on it, I found Jesus. And if you looked at the back, it said he was hiding underneath the sofa. Are we allowed to laugh at that? Is that okay? What I want to do is deconstruct this whole, you know, I say lost and everybody goes, oh, here he goes. Are you saved, brother? been asked that quite a lot. Well, what have I been saved from? We want to unpack all of these phrases and and look at the heart of what we're actually talking about, because we need to find Jesus. We need to be found by Jesus. We need to be saved from something. But what actually are those things? So let's peel back all the, the religious layers and find what God really wants to get at. Story. Christmas Day 2015. It's our first Christmas that we're in our new house. Granted, it still looked like a nursing home, but it was our first Christmas. And I, I, we were all quite enjoying the day with young kids because it was, and it was slightly stressful, but it was a good day. And I had this niggling thought, I wonder where my car keys are. Ever had that niggling thought? And, you know, you really don't want to open the door to that. And I thought, I better have a look for my car keys. So we went in and couldn't find them. I thought, oh, they're bound to be up there. They weren't there. I thought, oh, they'll be over here. They weren't there. thought, better check that pocket. They weren't there. Then you do the whole, retrace your steps. I'm retracing. How do you even do that? Retrace your steps. Retrace my steps. Where did they go? No, don't know where they are. I started to rip the house apart. I was going through every room. I was pulling up all of the cushions. I was driving Claire and saying, at one point she sat down with me and went, you're stealing the joy out of Christmas Day. Let go of finding the keys, Colin. They will show up. I went, love, they're not showing up. I have looked everywhere. I cannot find my keys. So eventually Christmas Day, it was all all right. That was the Christmas Day that we tried to force feed Isaac peas and he threw them up in my hands and I thought, happy Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Christmas Day, it's supposed to be a joy, but actually can be very stressful. Anyway, so 
we wake up the next morning and I said to Claire, now you'll love the drama of this. The, the, the conspiracy theory I had inside my head was that maybe someone had stolen the keys and if we went out, they would maybe be watching our house and then come and then they would take the car and they would drive off with it. I know, I know, but come on, how many of you have found a small mole and you have yourself dead within three weeks? Or you've Googled it and it always says, you will die. Is that not right? It's a rash. What's the result? Someone died from it. Sore head, bound to be a brain tumor. Someone died. And the reality is that people do experience those horrible, awful things. I bet they don't Google it. Anyway, so the next morning I wake up, Boxing Day, and I think, right, I better go next door. It would be due diligence and responsibility as a neighbor to go over to Reggie and Dorothy and say, look, just want to say, we can't find our car keys. So if the car mysteriously gets taken, you'll know why. So anyway, go to the door, ring the doorbell. Look, we discussed this. Claire and I discussed this. She, she has responsibility too. The blood's on your hands as well, though. So anyway, knocked the door. And, and I said to Dorothy, Dorothy, we've lost the car keys. I don't know where they are. And she said, you checked your bin? And I went, my bin? Have looked in the bin. She said, check your bin again. My bin in the bin. Well, I thought, I'm going to the bin. You may laugh, Russell. You may laugh. I went to the bin with my onion hoe. And I thought, I'm going to do that thing. <laughs> It's a, do you know what an onion hoe is? You would know what an onion hoe is. It's very helpful. It meant that there was some distance between me and all of the crud that was in the bin. So anyway, I went to the bin and I thought, right, here we go. And I ripped it open and I had a wee shifty through through all of the muck and rubbish. You may laugh. And there the little keys were looking up at me like, you found me. We talk about being lost, don't we? Well, the lost, who are the lost? But you see, after I found those keys... I wanted to tell everybody. In fact, everybody that I talked to, I said, where do you hear this? And Claire's dad, daddy probably went, only you, son, only you would go to the next door neighbor and they would say, look in your bin, and there it is. Only you, son. <laughs> Let me read this to you. The parable of the lost sheep. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends. Little did we know they had mobile coverage. And neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman or a man has 10 silver coins or two sets of car keys and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the prodigal son, I'll just give you the last line. Bring the fattened calf, the father says. Let us feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found, so he began to celebrate. And do you know, when I started to uh, read this in preparation for today, to be honest, I read a bit about the rejoicing and the celebrating and thought, yeah, yeah, we, we all know that happens. But in some ways you imagine like one angel pulls a potty popper and then they move on. But when I thought about that story about the car keys, I was overjoyed. I had lost just car keys. But I was overjoyed. I couldn't stop talking about it. And two years later, I'm talking to you about it. They're just car keys. We're talking about people. 
The Holy Spirit today, don't miss this, is issuing an invitation for us to participate in heaven's joy in celebration to partner with him in finding the lost. Now, the joyful thing about that is we're lost too, or we were lost. And there are parts of us that are still lost. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us to find them as well. And when we do, there will be joy. There'll be celebration. We've got to let go of the religiosity that resounds all of these words like lost and saved. Let it all drop off. And let's uh, maybe listen to these things and see them for the first time as to what God's actually talking about. A friend in a place I used to work said, do you know, if you could watch a film again for the first time, I would watch Forrest Gump. Just had to get him in there again. But let's rediscover some things that maybe we haven't seen before. That actually in the middle of all of these words that are uh, really overused at times is some deep, deep truth. So I work in Titanic Belfast. At the minute, it is our high season and we have at least 4,000 people a day. Sometimes it's 4,200. Sometimes it gets higher than that. And a couple of days ago, uh, while I was there, we all wear radios so we can communicate really well. And actually, it's interesting how good you get at uh, just responding to calls. And you'll be talking to somebody and say, can you give me a minute? And you just click in and respond and listen to what's going on and get, get what needs done. But over the radio came, attention everybody, there's a five-year-old boy who has lost his parents and the boys look like, and they give the description. Now, we would tend to have that quite a bit, but it was a five-year-old boy this time. My son's five years old. I was catapulted into understanding how he would feel and understanding how I would feel. I was thinking about how grateful it would be for the staff. I would be hoping there would be somebody kind with them, someone who would get down and say, it's going to be all right. It gets me even thinking about it. I was hoping that somebody would be saying, it's all right, your mum and dad are in the building, we're going to find them. I would be hoping that the person that's talking to me would go, look, we're all over this. Everybody's got radios on. We never have anybody lost more than X amount of time and we'll get you reunited together. And then over comes, or comes over on the radio, the boy's been united with his parents. And I'm like, it's <laughs> Everybody's looking and work going, you're all right. And I'm like, it's all fine, it's great. Yeah, we're good. I was lost, how about you? I was lost, totally and utterly lost. It is so much better to be found. It's so much better to let yourself be found by the Father. And if you find yourself here today and you don't know who that Father is or you don't know Jesus, well, here's an opportunity today. Now, it is your choice as to whether you take it up or not. A lot of the evangelism that most of us have experienced is you've got to, you should, you have to. If you don't, this is going to happen. Whereas what I find about love is love goes... Come on. But also love goes, okay. That is one of the scariest things I find about Jesus. He will knock on your door and you can say, no thanks. He'll go, okay. Love you. Walk off. I do not want to see him walk off. We only look for what's been lost when we see and understand the value of finding it. Now, if I had lost like... I was thinking about like a drawing pen. I'm not going to rip the house apart. Christmas Day would not be affected because I'd lost a drawing pen. I had value for my car keys and therefore I started to search for them. So we must learn to love what God loves in the way that he loves it to the degree that he loves what he loves. Let me say that again. We must love what God loves in the way that he loves it to the degree that he loves what he loves. And we've got to have his heart. To have his heart, we have to hear his heart. To be able to hear his heart, we've got to be close to his heart and stay with him. He deeply and dearly loves people. Now we can go, you know, I've nearly heard it say, God loves me and I'm his favorite. And 
you know, whenever that's said so many times, even that kind of loses the power of what it is. But you are deeply and dearly known. If you get yourself close enough to him, he will tell you things about yourself that you did not even believe. If you get even closer still, he's going to say things about you that you're going, really, me? Are you serious about that? He'll also say things to you like, you know, you need to deal with that. At which point most of us go, was that really you, God? It's like the times when he says, Con, you need to give 100 pounds to that person. Was that really him? Really, was it? And everybody around me is going, it really was. You need to get over yourself. But get yourself close to him. And as you get yourself close to him, then you start to have his heart for his people. God's agenda, Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So basically, the devil was kicked out of heaven because he thought, I can be just like God. He got a third of the angels together and decided to try and to try and overthrow God. Never going to happen. But he was cast out and he has a bone about it and a major chip on his shoulder. How do you hurt somebody who has hurt you most of all? I hope none of you actually think like this. It's quite disturbing if you come straight up with the answer. But basically, you try to kill and destroy the thing that that person loves most of all. Who does God love most of all? Well, his son and us. So the enemy came to drive in a wedge in between us and our father, came to destroy the relationship, and Jesus came to heal that separation by his life and his death and his resurrection. And love motivated Jesus, and our motivation has got to be the same, not fear. Fear would mean that we want to manipulate and we want to control and we want to say, do you remember my story? If some of you haven't heard it, I was 13 years old. I went to a youth rally and basically it was all cool and everything. And then they said, if you don't accept Jesus Christ today and you die tomorrow, you're going to be in hell. And it's going to be the worst experience that you're ever going to have. And you've got to do it right now because you need to be afraid. And I came home and said to my mom, I need to, I need to, I got to find Jesus. If I don't find Jesus, it's going to be this. Mom said, I don't think Jesus wants you to come to him this way. 18, 19 years old, miserable. You could probably all recite this to me, driving along the M5. Totally miserable. Car fills up with this love, and I am loved into the kingdom of God. And at that point, I think, I'd really like to follow this God who loves me. He didn't even have to ask me if I wanted to, because I was loved, I wanted to. So we want to be about the same. We don't use fear to manipulate. We use love to bring freedom. Love grants, grants a choice, and we offer what we have. We do not push, and we do not force Revelation 3.20, here I am, Jesus said. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Do you know the famous painting by Holman Hunt? Have you seen that one? Basically, it's Jesus standing at the door and the door in front of him doesn't have any way of opening it. But on the other side, you can see the other side and the person's there. So the handle is on their side. Even in that, do you not see what God's doing? He has taken off the whole victim stuff of, you know, your life's been about how you've been hurt and harmed and wronged. The power is in your hands, as Paddy McGinnis says in, what is it? What's that program with? Take me out. The power is in your hands. It really is. You've got a choice to make today. Your choice is to either to say, do you know what? I'd like to find out more about this Jesus. Or if you already know him. Okay, Jesus, what do you want to do with me now? See that area, that, see that door that I really don't want you to go into? Let me open that door and please come on in. If there are areas in your life where you're going, 
I, I can't seem to get over that. Oh, I just don't know how to do this. I don't know how to sort that. Open the door and let them in. If you're scared about that, join the club. You think it's discipleship malarkey is easy? It is not. It hurts. It's painful. It sucks at times. It's difficult. You want to give up. You cannot be bothered doing that thing. You drag your soul man along, kicking and screaming. And then you get these beautiful moments where you go, my goodness, I do not actually struggle with that thing that I struggled with before. You find that after you keep going and you don't give up, that there's actually fruit and there's actually reward. The power is in your hands. You choose. You get to choose how far you go with them. You get to choose whether you open the door. So I'm standing in work, and uh, I'm with a, a 17-year-old worker. He's a great guy. He works really, really hard. And this other guy comes, and we're just having a chat. Or we're waiting for everybody to exit the gallery. And somehow we get onto the topic of uh, marriage. And this guy starts talking about marriage with a, quite a lot of bitterness and just hurt and all sorts of stuff. And then he uncovers that actually he's going through a divorce. She says how awful it is and it's terrible and, and all of this. And I just stood and listened. Because um, I'm long past trying to convince anybody to think who I think. Really, I just thought this guy needs to obviously talk us out. And I'm thinking of the other guy. I'm thinking, well, he's 17. He, you know, maybe I'll get an opportunity to talk to him a wee bit later and give him my perspective. Anyway, the guy who's really telling us about all the pain that he has goes, so where's your argument? Well, where's your argument for marriage then? I went, well, I'm not here to try and convince you of anything. And he, it was, I, I was... I was standing going, what? 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 So actually my silence is causing you to go, please encourage me. When we are sharing Jesus Christ with people, we don't have to. Let me set you free from the you shoulds. Be yourself. God is not standing there afterwards going, bad child. You should have shared Jesus with that person. That person needs Jesus. Maybe all they needed was for you to be kind to them. Maybe all they needed was a cup of coffee. Maybe, you know, there will be a scenario when somebody says, look, there's something different about you. What is is it? And at that point, you have to go, right. Well, actually, you know, here's a bit of my story. Let me tell you a little bit about where I've been. But we need to feel free to offer the love that we've received from him to other people and just be ourselves. Searching to find what's been lost costs. But in Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, seek and you will find. Searching for who and what's been lost in others may cost you absolutely everything. But remember, I said it earlier today, Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And the cost of the search is nothing compared to the prize of the find. The hound of heaven I think it was Francis Roberts or Francis Thompson coined that phrase. The hound of heaven is always on the hunt for what has been lost. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and life in all its fullness. And Jesus only ever did what he saw the Father doing. And as we live in relationship with God, get to know him. Do you remember I said if you want to have his heart, you've got to stay close to him to hear his heart and see how he does things, see how he thinks about things. Because I'm sure you've found this out. He does not do things the way we do. Sometimes he lets it all fall completely to the ground in a heap and another pile of dust. And out of the dust like a phoenix it rises and you go, my goodness, that's quite incredible. Welcome to how he does things. 
You want to go higher, you go lower. You want to uh, have more to, to give away, you give what you have away. You want to find wholeness, you go on the journey of finding that wholeness and ministering to other people. So as you live in relationship with him and, and uh, get to know him and his ways and what he's up to, you will see, know, and understand what the Father is doing and you'll get to participate in the joy of finding what's been lost. Now, I've got one last story and then uh, we haven't got that much longer to go. So since I started my new job, there's an individual that uh, really there was, you could just tell that they weren't too happy with my presence there. It wasn't really very good. I'm about six months in. It was a, any of you been in work, relationships that aren't good in work can be one of the most stressful things on every aspect of your life, isn't that right? So we had a bit of a difficult time. And to be honest, I was waiting for the time to have opportunity to, to tackle it. So last Friday, we got opportunity to talk. Um, I was gentle, but honest. You would have been proud. Um, she wasn't so gentle, but very honest, and then became very gentle. Um, I said, look, I want to apologize if I've caused any hurt. And she actually said, look, I want to apologize too. We hurt each other's hearts. In the middle of it all, I really, really hurt her pain. I heard her frustration and her hopes. And because of that, I caught a bit of a John five nineteen. So Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Well, what I saw the Father doing was the Father wanted to move this mountain and move it quite quickly. So I have a wee prayer list and I write down my prayers and what I'm going to do. And it's really very helpful because if you're like me, if you don't write it down, you just forget about it. So I've been praying, God, would you move this mountain? And I had a little bit of bravery and courageousness about me. And I said, will you do it this month? I think God loves that stuff. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. If you're trying to manipulate him, it's not going to work. God, you've got to do it by tomorrow night at five o'clock. And then tomorrow it comes at five o'clock. You go, you see, he doesn't exist and he doesn't love me. Oh, please. Anyway, so I said, would you do this quickly? Would you do this within the month? And uh, what happened was, whenever uh, she came in the other day, uh, she said, the mountain, not in her words, and I don't want to uncover it, but she said, basically, that mountain has moved. She was a completely different person. In fact, one of my friends in work who's close to her said, uh, as I was standing talking with her, he came up and he said, see that strange expression that's on her face? It's actually a smile. It's been lost for a very long time, but it's back today. Now, she's my neighbor. Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. We are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. How on earth can I love my neighbor if I can't even see them? How can I love my neighbor if I won't tackle the issues that we have? How can I love my neighbor if I actually won't try and understand and appreciate where they're at? And actually, we were talking yesterday morning, and uh, she was saying about the mountain moving. And I said, you know, actually, after we talked, I said, you know the way I'm a Christian? Well, I've been praying for you, and I've been praying that that would move quickly. And she said, you know, um, through all of this, I've actually started praying too. Never expected to have that conversation. And it was the easiest, most rewarding, most wonderful conversation in work I think that I have ever had. And actually, I think that maybe part of me being there is to help her in different things that are going on. Such a joy, and it was so difficult. All because we started to talk. You see, this life with God is absolutely full of adventure. The hound of heaven is always on the hunt for what's been lost, and so would she, but so, so should we be. So who are the lost? Well, basically, there are those who are not in relationship with Jesus Christ and therefore do not have the Spirit of God living within them. Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. 
And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, some of you here, I know, you know that you've been found. And tell me, is being found better than being lost? You will only know who the lost are when you yourselves have been found. Let me say that again. You will only truly know who the lost are when you yourselves have been found. Guys, would you come up? And if you have been found, or as we say here in good old Northern Ireland, are you saved? You want to ask yourself these questions. What have you been saved from? What is it? Where were you when he found you? What difference has God made in your life? When we reach out to others, we reach out with how God reached out to us. And let me read Philippians 12 too. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, this is Paul speaking, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to figure this thing out. So if you today are going, do you know, I have never actually answered that question. People have said, are you saved? And I just go, yes. If you don't know what you've been saved from, well, you need to start to figure that out. Because you might go, do you know, I actually haven't been saved from a whole heap. If that's the case, I guarantee you there's a whole heap to be saved from. And you want to start going to to God and saying, what do you want to do? Where do I need rescued? You cannot give away what you do not have. Until you know and experience the love of God, you cannot give it away. Therefore, you need to let yourself be loved. Being lost is a state. Being found is a process. So being lost is a state of being. Being found is a process. So let's get involved in this process. It is all about the lost. Can I get you all to stand with me? So here at DCB, a couple of years ago, I was digging into uh, Philip, the disciple Philip. He was from Bethsaida. Bethsaida means the house of the hunt. Philip was on the hunt for Jesus. He found Jesus, and it actually says that Jesus found him. Then he went and he found Nathaniel to tell him, look who I find, because his nature was to be on the hunt. This is the house of the hunt. Here we want to be outside, outward looking. We want to be outside focused. We want to be reaching out. We want to be kind all towards connection with Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ and what it means to be found by him, let me encourage you to let yourself be found. He is here and he would really like to get some time with you. You may think that's funny. It's a relationship like any other. If you know that that's you, there's going to be opportunity to respond. So when that comes, please come and join us and we'll happily minister to you. So as always, every time that there's a message, there's a call to respond. And we always have questions to help you to respond. If you can't answer yes to any of these questions, but you still want to respond, please come. So do you need to experience the love of God for you so that you can give it away? Do you want to have his heart for his people? And finally, do you want to join the hound of heaven and be on the hunt for what's been lost? If you can answer yes to any of those things, please come and join me now at the front. We're going to worship for a time and then we're going to minister to you. Please come and join me.